Hey everybody, how you doing? Bill Calarulo back with another Legal Hands to the Face podcast. The Eagles beat the Panthers to go to two and three, but man, there's a lot of bad to talk about. Roll the intro. This is the Legal Hands to the Face podcast with Bill Calarulo. All right, everybody. In the NFL, a win is a win. So you don't want to complain too much. The Philadelphia Eagles win on the road against a three and one Carolina Panthers team to raise their record to two and three. That is great, but what wasn't great was Nick Sirianni and his play calling, and we're going to talk really about three things today. Nick Sirianni, that defense that played exceptionally well, and my man Jalen Hurts, some good and some bad in that game, but I want to start with Nick Sirianni. Let's get the good out of the way with Nick. I've talked about since the preseason, I really like the culture that he's bringing to this team. That next play mentality, what he refers to as that dog mentality. You saw that on Sunday. Things were not going the Eagles' way. They were down on the road against a 3-1 and team. When you have a coach where the players are not buying in, they probably aren't going to come back to win that game. But this team did not stop fighting. They kept pushing. They kept pushing. And somehow, they squeak out a 21-18 to win you got to give everybody credit for not giving up, not throwing in the towel. But that's really the only good I have to say about Nick Sirianni. It may be time, Nick, for you to consider giving up play calling. Not every coach is a great play caller. You can be a great NFL head coach, but not be a great NFL play caller. Two different skill sets. Nick Sirianni's play calling is absolutely atrocious. There is no other way to put it. It is horrible. In the first half yesterday, there were 29 offensive plays. Four of them were called rushing plays. The ratio was 25 pass plays to four rushing plays. I never thought it would be possible that we would have a head coach of the Eagles that ran the ball less than Doug Peterson and Andy Reid. But we have one in Nick Sirianni. You cannot win games in the NFL with that type of run-pass ratio. I get it. The NFL is a passing league. Most teams are going to throw the ball more than they run the ball. But 25 versus 4 is insanity. It is absolute insanity, especially when you have a banged-up offensive line like the Eagles did. They did not have Lane Johnson again in this game. They had to move Jordan Maialata to right tackle. He usually plays left. That means Andre Dillard had to start at left tackle. You don't have your starting right guard. You don't have your starting left guard. And all you did in that first half was continue to drop back and try to throw the ball. And please, Nick, please, enough with the wide receiver screens. They may work every once in a while, but you can't just keep calling that play over and over and over again. How many times did he call the wide receiver screen in that first half? It's mind-boggling to me. And then you have the excuse, well, there are RPO calls. You know, when Nick Sirianni's asked about why he doesn't run the ball as much, it's, well, there are a lot of those are RPOs, and that's the run-pass option. But Seth Joyner had a great tweet last night. Enough using the RPO as an excuse for why you're not running the football. 
What happened to just lining up and calling a straight running play, letting your big men take on their big men, and you have two very, very good running backs in Miles Sanders and Kenny Gainwell, great rookie. Got to give Howie Roseman credit. He hasn't had a lot of good draft picks over the years. Kenny Gainwell looks like an absolute steal out of Memphis in the fifth round. But you have these good playmakers at running back. Give them the ball. Give them a chance. Let your offensive line get settled in. Let them beat up the defensive line a little bit on the other side. Stop making them drop back every single play. Run the football. Overall, the entire game, there were 59 offensive plays. Only 13 of those were rushing plays to the running backs. And seven of those rushing plays were in the fourth quarter. That's crazy. That is absolutely a crazy run-pass ratio. And what happened in the fourth quarter when they started calling rushing plays? They started moving the ball. You know, at the end of the game when they had the lead and the Eagles were trying to run out the clock, the Carolina Panthers knew they were going to run the ball. Everybody knew they were going to run the ball. And you saw how effective they were at still moving the chains and getting first downs and picking up yardage. This team can run the ball. Nick just refuses to call rushing plays. And that's why I say it may be time for him to consider turning over play calling duties to the offensive coordinator, Shane Steichen. Shane Steichen was in San Diego for seven years. I don't know what his ability is going to be to call plays, but I'll tell you what, it can't be worse than Nick Sirianni. It can't be worse. I think it's time, Nick, you give up the play calling to somebody else. You just don't have it, man. You just don't have it. You can't do what you're doing in this league and expect to beat good teams. There was also some other bad coaching decisions by Nick Sirianni in this game. You know, again, too many penalties. This is an undisciplined team. That falls on Nick Sirianni and this coaching staff to hold your players accountable. They had another six penalties for 60 yards, and some of them were just dumb penalties. You had the Alex Singleton late hit on the wide receiver who clearly gives himself up, and you come in late and hit him. Unacceptable. Then you had the Devontae Smith touchdown on fourth down where they have the offensive pass interference. I think this is the third or fourth time now this season where there's been an offensive pass interference call on the same type of play. You know, where you run that natural pick play. You have the receiver on the outside running a slant, and you have the receiver on the inside running a slant, and he's supposed to pick off those corners. It's a natural pick. But you got to make it look good. You can't, Greg Ward cannot run into that cornerback and make it look like that's what he's doing. You run to your spot, and you stop. That's all you have to do. You don't even have to make contact with that cornerback. You just get in his way so he has to go around you. That's all you need on that play. A little one-second delay, your receiver's open, it's a touchdown. But Nick Sirianni is complaining to the referee like it was a bad call. It was not a bad call. That is offensive pass interference again. Another touchdown taken off the board again. How many times have we seen that in the first few weeks of this season? That's on Nick Sirianni. That's on the coaching staff. you got to coach up these players better. You have to hold them accountable. Another bad coaching thing. Miles Sanders going out of bounds at the end of the game. Yeah, Miles Sanders, you got to know better than that. You know, you're trying to run out the clock. You don't go out of bounds. He does it one time as he's running outside onto the left. But then he does it again running to the right. 
I blame that one on Nick Sirianni. Number one, you get in Miles Sanders' face, you tell him you do not go out of bounds. I don't care, you go down. But that play call, you got the lead. You're trying to run out the clock. Just run the ball up the middle. Why are you calling an option play? You have Jalen Hurts running the option. There's all types of things that could happen there. Number one, you're already getting close to the sideline. So by the time Jalen Hurts pitches that ball to Miles Sanders, he doesn't have a lot of room. So the chances of him going out of bounds are going to be higher than if you run the ball in between the tackles. But even more than that, why are you taking the risk of a turnover? An option play can cause... If Jalen Hurts doesn't pitch that ball perfectly to Miles Sanders, there's all types of problems that can happen. Bad play call, bad decision by Sanders to go out of bounds. I did like to see Nick holding Miles Sanders accountable, pulled him out of the game at that point. They pulled him out, they put Kenny Gainwell in the game, but still, just a bad play call, a really, really bad play call. And again, I've been saying this every week, it seems, they're losing on third down, and red zone efficiency. Yesterday, on third down, the offense was 4 of 13 for 31%. You are not going to win a lot of games in this league if your offense cannot convert first downs on third downs. If you're only doing that 31% of the time, you're going to lose more games than you win. And more importantly than that, the red zone efficiency. Again, 2 out of 4 for only 50%. And for those of you who don't understand, red zone is when you get inside the 20 of the other team, how many times are you scoring touchdowns? The Eagles only did it two out of four times. And what was more alarming was in their goal-to-go situations, meaning that they were inside the 10-yard line of the Carolina Panthers. They were only two for four. And we saw this last week and the week before. They have to get better in the red zone. They have to get better in goal-to-go situations. And that's play-calling. That is, that is game planning. You got to do a better job, Nick. That falls on you. You know, some of that, I will say, is Jalen Hurts. He's got to be better where he puts the ball, better decision making, but ultimately it's play calling. And then finally, the time of possession. You know, we've seen this week in and week out that the Eagles are losing the time of possession battle, and it's because they don't run the ball. I mean, this isn't rocket science. You don't run the ball, your time of possession is going to be horrible. Yesterday, the Carolina Panthers had the ball for 35 minutes. The Eagles only had the ball for 25 minutes. They were able to win that game. Carolina Panthers aren't one of the better teams in the league, so you can get away with some of these things. But when you start playing these good teams, like the Buccaneers coming to town on Thursday night, you got to win the time of possession battle. You got to capitalize in the red zone, and you have to be able to make first downs on third downs more than 30% of the time. So that's the bad with Nick Sirianni. That, that was just not, not good. But on the other side of the football, a guy I was on last week and a lot of people were on was Jonathan Gannon, that defensive coordinator. Man, that defense showed up yesterday. They finally did what we thought this defense was going to be able to do. The strength of this team is our defensive line. And they put pressure on Sam Darnold and that created turnovers. They had three sacks, three interceptions. Man, when was the last time we saw that? I think it goes back two or three years since the last time they had three sacks and three interceptions in a game, and it was a beautiful thing to see. And one of the things I said a couple weeks ago was if Javon Hargrave continues to play as well as he is playing, that, is me- that means these offensive linemen are going to have to make a decision, and these offensive coordinators are going to have to make a decision. Do we continue to double-team Fletcher Cox 
and let Javon Hargrave go one-on-one with the offensive lineman because he's continuing to win those one-on-one battles. And what you saw yesterday was the Carolina Panthers made the decision to start double-teaming Javon Hargrave, which allowed Fletcher Cox to get one-on-one, which is something he rarely gets, and he has to win those one-on-one battles when he gets them, and he did yesterday. Maybe the best game Fletcher Cox has played this season, finally had a sack, was all over the well, it's all over Sam Darnold, a bunch of QB hits, put a lot of pressure on. You saw Josh Sweat get a sack, Javon Hargrave with another sack. And by the way, Javon Hargrave leads all interior defensive linemen in the NFL with six sacks. Unbelievable. This guy's having a great season. He's having an all-pro season. We've been talking about him since the preseason. If he can keep this up, this defense can play a heck of a lot better if that defensive line continues to put pressure. And then the other thing you love to see is both of our corners with interceptions. You know, Steven Nelson has that big interception at the end of the game, but Darius, big play slay, two interceptions in this game. This guy gets paid a lot of money. He's a very good corner, but we've never really seen from him that type of game where he's getting, being that ball hawk, making interceptions, causing turnovers. You know, last week there was a little bit of a Twitter battle. I don't know if you guys knew between Darius Slay and local sports personality Glenn Mack now, Darius Slay was kind of called out. Well, he answered in a big way. Comes in, two interceptions, played really, really well. That's what you need to see. That's the formula for this team to win games. The defensive line puts pressure on the quarterback. The corners, the secondary, making turnovers. Really, really good stuff. Really, really good stuff from that defense. You know, in the beginning of the game, it looked like, oh boy, here we go again when Carolina started driving, but they really buckled down and the defense played exceptionally, exceptionally well yesterday. You know, it helps a little bit that you're not playing Patrick Mahomes or Dak Prescott or some of these upper echelon quarterbacks. You're playing Sam Darnold, but you can only play who's in front of you. And Sam Darnold's played pretty well this year. You know, he's not the Sam Darnold of the New York Jets. You know, Matt Rule and the Carolina Panthers, they had Darnold playing pretty well, but you could see he's not Patrick Mahomes but the defense did their job. And then I want to talk about our quarterback, Jalen Hurts. You know, I'm a big fan of his. I've been a big fan of his from last year. I really like his attitude. He really didn't play well in the beginning of this game. He, he didn't look good. A lot of that, I think, is Nick Sirianni's fault with the play calling. But Jalen Hurts didn't look that great in this game. Didn't make a lot of great throws in the beginning. Didn't make a lot of great decisions. But what you love to see is this guy's fight never stops. He has that intangible, man. He is a leader. He is a gamer. And when did he play his best football yesterday? When it mattered most in that fourth quarter. When they needed him, he wanted the ball in his hands, and he drove them down, and he put points on the board, and they win that game because Jalen Hurts is a leader and he's a gamer. Does he make all the throws? No. Is he making all the right decisions? No. But this guy will never quit. He's going to continue to fight. He's going to continue to lead. And he wants the ball in the biggest moments. That's something that always bothered me about Carson Wentz and some other quarterbacks is it seems as if when the game matters most is when they're playing their worst. It's the complete opposite with Jalen Hurts. When the game is the most important part of those games, that's when Jalen Hurts rises to the occasion. You really like to see it. And he pulled out that win yesterday. Some other positives on offense, there wasn't many, but some other positive on offense was Devontae Smith. 
You know, our rookie wide receiver had a great game last week, bounces back again this week with another good game, does have that fumble, tough play. It's a bang-bang play. He catches the ball, gets punched out almost immediately, but he didn't let it get to him. You know, he continued to play hard, had a pretty good game. I think he went uh, seven for 77 yards, had a nice two-point conversion play. Great play by Jalen Hurts, by the way, on that two-point conversion. And Devontae Smith never stopped working to get open. Great, great play. But Devontae Smith looks like the real deal. I mean, his route running is beautiful. He's very, very smooth. He's got good hands. I think they really finally have hit on a first-round wide receiver draft pick. We'll talk a little bit about Jalen Rager in a second, but Devontae Smith looks like the real deal. And then on the other side, Quez Watkins, another big play by Quez Watkins. This guy seems to be making a big play every single week. You see why we're so excited about him. So the Eagles may finally have two young wide receivers that you can get excited about in Devontae Smith and Quez Watkins. And then on the flip side of the ball, another young player. You know, I I talked last week about how there's not a lot of young players players on this defense to get excited about is this Davion Taylor. You know, he's been battling some injuries. He's a linebacker. He got some more playing time yesterday, especially in the second half. And he looked pretty good. I mean, our linebackers have struggled all year. You know, I, I like Alex Singleton, but he, he just may not be big enough. He may not be fast enough. But this Davion Taylor looked very, very good yesterday. He made some really good plays. I'm hopeful that he's going to get some more playing time in the weeks to come and we can see what we have in him. But now that he's healthy, Let's hope he may be a young player on that defense that we can get excited about. And then another huge positive yesterday was our special teams. First of all, I've talked about in the past, good teams put up points at the end of halves. Well, what happened yesterday at the end of the first half? Eagles are down. I think it's 15-3 to at that point. They get a nice drive. There's only a few seconds left on the clock, and they pull out Jake Elliott to try a 58-yard field goal. Not an easy kick at all. I mean, a 58-yard field goal on the road, not in the dome, you know, in an open-air stadium, and he nails that 58-yard field goal. Great kick. Turns out to be one of the deciding factors in that game. You know, they win that game 21-18. That last-second field goal at the end of the half turns out to be huge. Good teams put up points at the end of halves. That was a great job by the special teams, a really good job by Jalen Hurts in the offense to get him down there to give him a shot. And another positive on that special teams is this punter, Sippos, continues to punt the ball very, very well, continues to pin teams deep in their own zone. You know, NFL is a game of field possession, and you're going to win that when you have a good punter who can pin teams inside the 20. He's doing a really good job there. And then obviously... The most obvious special teams play of the day was TJ Edwards with that block punt. I mean, at the right time, big play, big play to get a blocked punt there. You know, it's just just a great day by special teams. You didn't like to see that we almost had a punt blocked. You know, you got to clean that up. But ultimately, you got to give an A to the special teams with the field goal, with the punting, and with our blocked punt. Just a great job by TJ Edwards and a great job overall by that special teams. But one of the other negatives I wanted to talk about, and I referenced it earlier, is, is Jalen Rager. You know, you, I was really hopeful for Rager coming into this season. They used a first-round draft pick on him last year. I probably don't have to remind you, Justin Jefferson goes right after him. Justin Jefferson is an absolute stud, had another 100-yard game yesterday. Eagles pass on Jefferson to draft Rager. Rager had really not a good rookie season. You were hopeful he was going to come in this year and make some plays 
he just does not look good. He does not look good. And on a couple of those wide receiver screen plays that Sirianni called where Rager's supposed to be blocking, I mean, it was comical watching him try to block. I mean, really, he's not, he's not engaged. He's not blocking. He's not getting open. He's not making big plays. Really doesn't even look that good in the return game. He had one good punt return yesterday. But Jalen Rager, as a first-round draft pick, has to play better, and he hasn't. You know, it's exciting that you have Devontae Smith. It's exciting that you have Quez Watkins, who was only a six-round draft pick. But when you use a first-round draft pick on Jalen Rager last year and you pass on guys like Justin Jefferson, Rager has to play better, and I'm just not sure he can. I'm just not sure he can. He may not be the guy. So we will find out, but that's a little bit disappointing. And then taking a look around the NFL yesterday, good news, the New Orleans Saints beat the Washington football team. That was nice to see. Then you had the Dallas Cowboys playing the New York football Giants. Man, what a bad game for the Giants. Not only do they get crushed by the Cowboys, they lose Saquon Barkley. They lose their quarterback, Daniel Jones. They lose their wide receiver, Kenny Galladay. So just a really bad day for the Giants. But this Cowboys team looks good. You know, this Cowboys team looks very, very good. Their offense we knew was going to be good, but their defense is starting to look really good. You know, they have Trayvon Diggs at corner who had another interception, now has an interception, I think, in five straight games. Their linebacking core is very, very good. That team's a good team. I hate to say it because I can't stand the Cowboys. I'm sure you guys can't stand the Cowboys either. But that team is a good team. They're going to be tough to beat. Not only are they the best team in the NFC East, they may be one of the best teams in the NFC. So Cowboys, we're going to have our hands full with them, but they win the game as well. But let's take a look at this week. we got a short week. Eagles play on Thursday night football, and the GOAT is coming to town. Tom Brady, Thursday night football at the link with the GOAT. You know, this Bucks team, there's no denying it. They are a better team than the Philadelphia Eagles on all sides of the ball. Special teams, offense, defense, they're a better team. They won the Super Bowl last year. They brought back all 22 starters. And like I said, they got the goat at quarterback. So the formula to win this game, anything can happen, right? Any given Sunday, well, this is any given Thursday. We saw a couple years ago the Eagles win on Thursday night going into Green Bay, a game they had no business winning. So yet they can win this game. But Nick Sirianni, if he's continuing to call plays, which I'm sure he will be, absolutely has to run the football more. You cannot, I said this before the Chiefs game, and clearly Sirianni wasn't listening. Not sure he would listen to me, but maybe he should. You got to run the football. You have to win the time of possession battle. You cannot give the ball to Tom Brady and that offense over and over and over again. Our defense isn't good enough to be put in that, put that much pressure on them. You cannot have them on the field against that offense. Not only do they have Tom Brady, they have Antonio Brown at wide receiver. They have Chris Godwin at wide receiver. They have a really good running back, a tough, bruising running back in Leonard Fournette. We're going to catch a break. It looks like Rob Gronkowski's still going to be out. He has some broken ribs, I think a punctured lung. So you're going to catch a break there without Gronk on the field. But this offense on the Bucks is too good for us not to run the football and try to limit the amount of time that that offense is on the field. But when they are on the field, defense, you got to put pressure on Brady. There is no doubt. 
Our defensive line has to play the way they did against the Carolina Panthers. You got to put pressure on Brady. You got to make him uncomfortable in the pocket. He's not a a very athletic quarterback. We know that. He's not going to be rolling out a lot. He's going to try to sit in that pocket. He's very good in the pocket. He's very good at maneuvering around. But you got to put pressure on him, and you're going to have to try to create turnovers. It's not an easy task against the Bucs and Brady, but you got to try to create turnovers. We'll see what happens, but this Bucs team looks very, very good. But please, Sirianni, run the football, win the time of possession battle, and this week, it's a short week, what I'd be working on if I was the Philadelphia Eagles offense is red zone efficiency. Because if you get inside the red zone against this Bucks team and you do not score touchdowns, you are going to lose this game. You cannot exchange field goals for touchdowns. The Bucks will beat you every single time. So work on your red zone, work on your running game. Hopefully, we'll see if we get Lane Johnson back this week. He still has that personal issue. It's very, very cryptic. Nobody knows what's going on. He's back with the team, but he didn't play. But if hopefully if Lane Johnson can play this week, you can slide him back into right tackle. You can move Jordan Maialata back to his natural position of left tackle, and it just makes the offensive line a little bit more settled. You're still going to be missing your two starting guards, but at least you'll have your left tackle and your right tackle. And we know Lane Johnson's an all-pro player when he's playing and when he's healthy. So let's hope we get him back. And then finally, like we end every week, our Wentz watch. Well, unfortunately, we can't talk about Wentz yet today because today is Monday morning and Carson Wentz plays tonight on Monday Night Football. I'm looking forward to watching this game and I've only seen highlights of Wentz so far this season, but they're playing Monday night against the Ravens. We'll see how he plays tonight. All we're hoping for, 100% of the snaps. Let's keep that going. We want him to play 75% of the snaps and we want the Colts to not be good so we can get a top 10 draft pick. You know, we have the Dolphins first round pick next year. We have the Colts first round pick next year, hopefully, if Wentz plays 75% of the snaps. And we have our own first round pick. You know, going into this week, if the season would have ended before Sunday, the Eagles would have had three top 10 picks, which is unbelievable. So let's keep watching that. The Dolphins do not look like they're going to be good this year. So we'll see what happens. But a big game Thursday night. I'm looking forward to it. You know, uh, obviously the Eagles had success against Brady when he was with the Patriots. Looks like something he hasn't forgotten. He actually mentioned it in a press conference a couple weeks ago. So we will see. But if you're not following the Legal Hands of the Fates podcast, what are you waiting for? We're on all your favorite podcast platforms. We're on YouTube. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. So check us out. We're going to keep the content coming. And let's hope. I'm going to go out on a limb here. Going out on a limb. The Eagles have no reason to win this game. The Bucs are a better team. I think the Birds will win on Thursday night. I think they're going to establish the run. I think that defense is going to get pressure on Brady. I think we're going to get some more turnovers. And I think that link is going to be rocking Thursday night. You heard it here. The Eagles upset the Bucs Thursday night. Go Birds!